0: Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. It's good to see you. Please take your seats for just a few moments. It's exciting to be here this morning as we pick up from where we left off last week. Um, Vessels of Honor, we are excited for you. Uh, to be here today and excited for what God has in store for you. Amen. Church is what we make it. And I hope you came with great expectation. I hope you came saying God is going to speak to me today, that God is going to work in my life today. If you came here with that expectation, God will do it. Uh, I, I assure you that. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 21, just two scriptures. Everything's in the YouVersion app. Paul is writing to his spiritual son, and he tells him this. He says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. These expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, here's the challenge. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work amen I'll read that last part one more time your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work amen that ought to be our prayer this morning that ought to be a, regardless of where you find yourself regardless of where we find ourselves that should be our prayer God get us to that point amen amen Amen. In this passage, the Apostle Paul uses some household items that we are accustomed to that we know that we can relate to, to be able to describe believers. He is describing the Christian, you and I, and our ability to be useful to God by serving Him and to be able to fulfill our respective destiny. God has great destiny over your life and we see that some items here in this uh, scripture are just ordinary items that are for everyday use but then you see some that are that are for a special occasion you see some that are noted here by the by Paul as honorable that are used for just some elegant occasion in the master's hands in Jesus's hands these are the utensils that are able to accomplish great things and every person in this place every person every believer in the world may be at a different place in his or her walk with Christ no two stories are the same no two testimonies are the same and no one starts out as silver, and no one starts out as gold. No one starts out as a special utensil. It is a process. It is a process to be able to get there. So if you are unsatisfied this morning where you are in that process, I have great news for you. God is eager to take you to the next level. God is eager and God wants to take you to the next level. He is the one who prepares us. He is the one who refines us. And he is the one that truly makes us honorable to be able to get to this Place. And though you may not feel very special at this moment, though you may feel like you are inadequate, though you may feel like, man, I'm just not really there. I I have some more great news. God sees you with your full potential. God sees you where you are going. He doesn't just see you where you're at. He he knows He the Bible says He calls those things that are not as though they were, because He has the power to make them be what they ought to be. I'm so grateful that while I may be struggling here today, he sees me as an overcomer, amen? I'm so grateful that even though I may be in a place where my faith and my confidence is at, is at a low point, I'm glad that he says, oh, ye of great faith. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that he doesn't just stop where where I'm at. And he doesn't give up on me when others give up on me. And he doesn't give up on me when I fail and when I make a mistake. No, he sees the process and he knows he's not only just the alpha, he's also the omega. Amen. Amen. He's not just the beginning, he's also the end. He knows where we're going and I'm confident in this, that he that started the work in your life and in your life and in your life, he is faithful to complete that which he has begun. The people around you in your circle may not be faithful. The people in your sphere of influence may not be faithful, but God is faithful. God is faithful. He is true to his word. He is faithful. If he says it, he'll do it. God sees you that way. And great, even greater than that, you're not defined or you're not limited by your past. Amen. Let that soak in for just a minute. You're not defined or you're not limited by your past. Who you have been is not who you are. He says in his word in 2 Corinthians that he makes all things brand new and he wants to Help you become a vessel of honor. And at times, we may look at another person uh, in their life and assume from outward appearances, and from and we may look at just a, a glimpse of their life and, and be able to make the conclusion that their spiritual walk is strong. And we ask ourselves, how? Why am I not there? And and how could I get there? And while they may appear, some while they may appear holy, while they may appear righteous. We know that looks can be deceiving. We, that's why God, that's why the Bible tells us that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We can't tell from the outside at times what is going on, what is truly going on inside a person's heart. And, and it's similar to when you look at uh, dishes in the dishwasher. Have you ever asked the question to your spouse or to your child, are, are the dishes clean? Because from the first glimpse of looking at it, it's hard You you don't know if he or she put in the pot, amen? You don't know if they're really washed. And some of us in this place uh, today may be guilty of using uh, dirty dishes because we didn't examine it uh, close enough. Even if you inspect some of the times, you have to look and you have to see, is this really clean? Did it go through the process? And sometimes it still can be filthy. You wouldn't want to eat on a plate that is dirty. Amen? You wouldn't want to eat on a plate that was dirty, no matter how clean it looks on the surface. If there is something just there, it is obvious. You you can look, if you look close enough, it's just there. Why is this important? Because the Holy Spirit knows that there is something in our lives that is keeping us from being fit for use. There may be something that that at first glance, it's not there, but it is obvious to you, it is obvious to ourselves, and the Holy Spirit is important because it comes to convict us, He comes to convict us of our sin. But the question is, will you let Him reveal those areas to you? Because the bottom line is, you have to want to change. You have to want to be better. You have to want to be able to leave those things behind and be able to press toward the mark of the height of the calling in Jesus. Will you let Him reveal those areas to you? Because He certainly wants to bring you to a new level. Of personal integrity and he will do a great work and he will do a miracle in your life if you allow him to if you allow him to when we talked about spiritual order in week uh, number four we discussed the process of justification and we discussed the process of sanctification justification is the event that takes place when we are saved when Jesus becomes our Savior at that very moment we believe that every sin We believe that every sin in our past is wiped clean by the power of the blood of Jesus. God removes the junk of yesterday just as we, if we had never sinned. But sanctification is, is something a little different. It is a process. It's not an event. It's not just a one-time occurrence. It, it is something that God takes us through. It is his will for us. It's a journey through which God molds us. He transforms our character and he sanctifies us. He He sanctifies us to take us to new stages of faith. He takes us so we can continually know him greater and know him in a more intimate way. He sets us free from the habitual sin, you know the sin that takes place in our everyday life. He purifies our hearts and he empowers us to fulfill the kingdom purpose for which he has created us. Did you catch that this morning? Not only does he want to cleanse you, not only does he want to just set you free from that, but he wants to empower you to be able to fulfill your purpose, to be able to fulfill your destiny, to be able to fulfill your calling in the kingdom of God. So there are four stages of Christianity, and you could evaluate and look at this and see where you are this morning. So let's look at them. Number one, it's when the unbelievers become believers. That's when you become saved. The second is when believers, so that's not what, that's not all that God wants for you. He doesn't just want you to be saved. The second part is when believers become disciples who begin to grow. I'm disciplined in my walk with God and that that is what we have to do. The third thing is when disciples become leaders who find their purpose in life. And then check out the fourth stage. It's when leaders become servants. Leaders become servants. It's incredible to note that the highest level of our journey as Christians is servanthood. Is servanthood. The concept is is super counterintuitive to the world we live in today that says, I want I if you have prestige, you're you're gonna be served. That's the world's way of thinking, but God's word lets us know that the greatest one of us is the one who can serve. To fulfill the purpose for which God has created us. And that requires us to become servants. So let's look again at 2 Timothy 2.21. It says, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Hear the word master. It's taken from the Greek word despotas, which refers to a person who is a ruler. It refers to a person who has high authority, absolute power over others. We often think of God as a friend. We often think of him as a savior, a protector. And he is all of that. Amen. He is all of that. But he is also Lord. Amen. He is also Lord. And we are called to serve at the pleasure of the king of kings. Amen. Amen. So let's look at some steps that we can take. So this is, this is great to know, but how can I make this tangible in my life? How can I make this applicable? What does this look like to me when I leave out of these doors here in just the next little while? What are some steps that I can take, that you can take to be able to get there? The first thing is offer our bodies. Romans 12.1 says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind that he will find acceptable this is the true this is truly the way to worship him the body is the place where sin functions this is where sin functions we might sin by saying something We might sin by something that comes out of our mouth. We may sin by looking at something with our eyes or touching something with our hands. In Job 31.1, this is what the Bible says. A righteous man says this. He said, I made a covenant. In other words, I made a promise. I made a decision. I made an intentional choice with my eyes not to look with lust as a young woman. So when we are intentional with our bodies, we are able to make conscious decisions. Amen. It is a choice. It is a conscious decision to avoid sin in our life. We will make great progress. You will make great progress as a believer, as a child of the living king. When we become a vessel of honor. If we are willing to keep to, to keep ourselves holy and to say each day, here I am, Lord. Here I am, clean me. Here I am, purify me. Here I am, continue that sanctification process in my life. Take each member of the body, of my body. And the things that I have done today and wash me. Take my appetites, take my addiction, take my habits, take my tongue and all my attitudes and consecrate them to you, God. I, I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I am crucified with Christ is what Paul said. So when I look at 2 Timothy 2. 222 again it says it says this run from anything that stimulates youthful lust instead pursue righteousness living faithfulness love and peace enjoy the companionship of those who call on the lord with pure hearts romans chapter 6 verse 12 through 14 says this do not let sin control the way you live can i just say if we don't control sin sin will control us If we don't control it, it will control us. One of the two is going to happen. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. Now you have new life. Romans tells us that our whole body is an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the fruit freedom of god's grace instead you live under the freedom of god's grace so we have to offer our bodies number one number two we have to renew our minds renew our minds tell your neighbor renew your mind don't copy romans 12:2 says do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world but let god transform you into a new person i want to be a new person and how does this happen it says by changing the way you think changing the way you think. Sin functions in the body, but the mind is what controls the body. Sin begins in the mind. This is what Second Corinthians 10 says. through for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, every thought, and make it obedient to God. So do my thoughts align with the word of God? That's how we know. Do my thoughts. In this passage, we see that spiritual warfare that we all are engaged in is an essential component of the Christian life. And many Christians love God, but they have no clue on how to fight the enemy that is real, that is present, that is trying to attack us. We must be equal equipped, amen, for the battle because the devil is constantly scheming against us and he is constantly prowling, seeking whom he may devour. And one of the ways we fight the enemy is by demolishing the arguments. It is by an an argument here is identified as an idea. The enemy's goal is to plant thoughts in your mind that are contrary to God's thoughts. The, the, The enemy's goal is to plant thoughts and ideas in your mind that are contrary, that do not align with the word of God. And a lot of ideas that we have subscribed to even about God that we have heard just in society and by people around us are simply wrong because they don't line up with the word of God they're wrong because they're contrary to what the scripture says. Do not listen to the voice of the enemy. Can I tell you this morning, do not listen to the voice of the enemy that says you're not good enough. No, listen to the voice of God that says you're bought with a price. Do not listen to the voice of the enemy that says you'll never you'll never be able to rise above where you have been. No. Listen to the word of God that says you are more than a conqueror. Listen to what God says about you and cancel the lies. If you're going to cancel anything. Cancel the lies of the enemy that has been spoken in our lives and to us and about us. For example, if the Bible says this, by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed, then I have to believe it. I have to declare it that even though my body may be in pain, I have to believe and I have to declare his word over my life. This is what spiritual warfare is. It's exchanging the report. It's exchanging the report of the world for the report of the Lord whose report shall you believe I love that song that says we shall believe the report of the Lord peace is available to you Amen. Peace can reign in your hearts, in our hearts when we align ourselves with the truths of God's word. Here is the main question when it comes to spiritual warfare. Can the devil get you to believe him? Can you believe the lie? Will you believe the lie? Have you believed the lie? We must take those thoughts captive. And say, you know what, I'm going to hold you right here and I'm going to compare you to what God's word says. I'm going to take this lie and I'm going to put it side by side to see what God's word says and what God's word says is true. So what does that mean? How does that look like in your life? Sometimes it means that we have to minimize our our exposure to worldly thinking. Sometimes that means that we have to turn off the television. The news is just gonna upset you, I promise you that. Sometimes it's about the music that we listen to. The TV, the, the movies, the books, the entertainment, all of that that can pollute us, that can, that can plant a thought in our minds, and I have to, I have to saturate myself in the word of God. I have to saturate my, you have to make that choice for yourself. When you turn off the programming of this world and, you, and you're and you able to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, God's word will become clearer to you. Renewing our mind by the word requires us to be able to use scripture to be able to combat the enemy. Amen. So I'm going to show you what that looks like. The lie that may be spoken over you or to you it is you are confused but yet 1 Corinthians chapter 2:16 says for who has known the mind of the lord so as to instruct him but we but we have the mind of Christ. I'm not confused. No, you're not confused. We have the mind of Christ. The, the lie that could be spoken to you says you are fearful, but Second Timothy 1.7 says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of self-discipline. You can control yourself. You can control yourself. The lie that you may have been spoken to is there is no hope. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, there are plans of good and not for disaster, to give you a future. And catch this, and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and That's what God wants for you today, that your story will not end like this. But he wants to give you a future. <laughs> he wants to give you a hope. A lie may Maybe you're going to die, but but no, Psalms 118-17 says, I will not die. Instead, I will live and I will tell what the Lord has done. I have to combat the lie of the enemy, and I have to be able to put it side by side with his word. Maybe a lie has that has been spoken to you is something bad is going to happen. No, Psalms 91:10 says, No evil, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home. Maybe a lie that you you have been spoken is God can't hear you but the bible tells me that the lord hears his people when they call him for help and he rescues them from all of their troubles not just some of them not just half of them no he he rescues them from all their troubles maybe a lie that has been spoken to you is nothing will ever change i'll, I'll always be like this i'll always struggle i'll always be broke i'll always be frustrated i'll always be lonely but the bible says but forget all that It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Did you catch that? He said, what I am going to do. Is there somebody that receives that word today? For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. I got to cancel the lie of the enemy and say, I declare the word of God that the God that I serve is able to do it. I have to renew my mind. And the third thing is I ha- we have to surrender our wills. That can probably be the hardest step in the process for some of us who love to be in control. That w- It's hard for us to relinquish, to, to surrender certain areas of our lives because we feel that when we have a hold of it, I-, I, can, I can maneuver some things and I can work some things out. But if I say, God, I give it all to you, what if God wants to do something bad? That's a lie from the enemy because his word declares, the plans that I have for you are good, to give you a future and to give you hope. I have to surrender my will. Look at what Romans twelve two says. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So when I surrender my will to him, I'll learn that his will for my life is what? It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. There is freedom that you don't have to figure it out and you don't have to have it all worked out. No, God, I surrender it to you. Because I know that your will for me is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. Sometimes it doesn't mean that there's not challenges. No, but it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. The body carries out the sin. The mind controls the body, but the will controls the mind. The will controls the mind. And as we surrender our will to God, his perfect will becomes the motivation of our lives. In Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says, when you pray, pray this way. He says, your kingdom... Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Instead of coming to God with my agenda and saying, God, this is what I want you to do for me today, it says we should approach prayer with this mentality. Father, I want what you want for me. Have your way. I want what you want. Have your way. Come to him with a neutral heart. Not just dead set on one side, but say, God, I want what you want for me. Because if we're biased towards a specific answer to our prayer, God's voice will be difficult to discern because you and I already have our mind made up. But if you come saying, God, I leave it in your hands and I trust you with it. When we pray like this and we surrender our will, we're able to honor him with every part of our lives and that is when he begins to stir up the purpose within us and empower us to give us a god-given future and a god-given destiny that we could do our part to expand the kingdom of heaven here on earth so let's prepare for battle first peter 2:9 says you are a chosen generation you are a royal priests a holy nation god's very own possession as a result of this, so notice what God thinks of you. He says, as a result of this, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wondrous light. Another version says that you would show forth the praises of him who called you from darkness into his marvelous light. That is your purpose. That is our purpose, that I could let Jesus shine in my life and in your life that others could see God through you. Be use, being useful in the kingdom. Finding our purpose in God is the greatest honor of our lives, but it comes at a price. And I would be wrong not to share that with you because when we begin to walk in our purpose, we get the attention of our enemy. Why would he fight you? Why would he fight who's already on his side? Why would he fight someone who's already on his team? So we should anticipate his attacks, take them as a sign of encouragement. Did you catch that? When he comes to attack you, you take that as a sign of encouragement. I must be doing something right. I must be advancing the kingdom. I must be a nightmare for hell. I must be a nightmare for the enemy. If, if I am being attacked, it means I am headed in the right direction. If things are coming against my mind, it means that I, that people are going to see God through me today. Can, can you think of that? Just think of any moment, any instance in your life of things that have come your way to be able to discourage you and set you back from getting to a place where you are able to share your testimony. And be able to share what God has done for you. The attacks come when something great is about to happen. We are a threat to the plan of the enemy. We are a threat to the world of darkness. So I have to hold on to this truth. You have to hold on to this truth that you belong to God. You belong to God and the enemy cannot change that. It doesn't matter how he tries. It doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter what he throws your way. The Bible says in John 10, 28, that you are of the Lord and no one can snatch you out of his hand. But we still need to prepare and we still need to be alert and we still need to be sober to the fact that the that, that threat will come. And we need to study our opponent's tactics. And I'm drawing to a close. The enemy knows the best way to, to combat your spiritual growth. We're talking about getting to the next level. To combat our spiritual growth is for him to trap us in sin. Because if we stay stuck in the cycle of sin, I'll never be any better. I'll never be greater. I'll never be able to be more useful to God. But if I break the sin, that's why he's fighting you this morning. Because if you break that sin, he'll be able to use you in an incredible way that you have not even been able to imagine he'll try to derail you with temptation he'll try to manipulate situations to get under your skin making something that is harmful to us even extremely appealing when we are tempted our character is tested when we're tempted our character is tested through the desires and through the sins and through the body This is what James one says, and remember when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. If the worship team will join me. We need to understand that God never tempts us. That Satan and his followers are tempters. But unlike God, Satan and his, Satan cannot be everywhere at once. He is the only one that is omnipresent. But the Bible says that when, he, when our enemy fell from heaven, and that he took one-third of the angels with him. So we understand that demons are Satan's servants. And he has sent them out on a mission to destroy our lives. Why? I don't tell you this by no means to scare you. I, t- I tell you this because we, we need to be alert and know what we're up against. They are always looking for an opportunity to trap us in temptation. Satan has been tempting mankind since Adam and Eve. Even Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. But the Bible tells us this in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus, our high priest, he understands our weakness, for he faced all of the things testings, all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. And because he who is in us is greater than he that is in the world, we can stand against temptation. Maybe you have been struggling with something. And you have been telling yourself, I can't, I can't, I can't overcome this. I'll never be able to get past this bad habit. I'll never be able to. It's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the enemy. Because he that is, great, that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. So I have to cancel the lie that says you'll always be a failure. You're a mistake. I have to cancel that with the, with the voice of truth that comes from his word that says I am a royal priesthood. I'm a chosen generation, I'm no longer a slave. He no longer causes slaves. He, he has adopted us, given us the spirit of, to be able to say, Abba, Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was about to be arrested and crucified, he told his disciples this. He said, keep watch and pray. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. No one overcomes temptation just by luck. It is an intentional choice. It is a decision. It is something that requires work on our end. For the spirit is willing, this is what Jesus said, but the body is weak. In other words, we need to keep the dialogue going with God. We need to have open communication with heaven to keep us safe and to be aware that to know that I play an active role in my deliverance from sin and from evil. That you play an active role in sin and of, of deliverance from sin and from evil in your life. You play an active role in that. That you can make the choice. That you have the choice and the available power to be able to withstand the enemy. That you can choose you can choose to say, I'm going to give in to temptation. But just in that same way, you can say, I can, I'm going to choose not to give in to temptation. So the question this morning is this, that if sin causes heartache and if sin causes us to be stuck in a cycle, why would we remain in it? Why would we remain in it? Wouldn't I want to say, you know what, God, I'm going to make a choice to to change some things in my life and to be better. To be a better husband, to be a better wife, to be a better mother, to be a better father. Whatever it is, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to be better. So I'm going to stop this cycle. I'm going to stop this cycle. You know, overcoming something and, and you feeling good for a week, but then it comes right back and you fall in it again to be able to finally put a stop to it and say, when that comes again to say no, there is a word, there is a word, there is a word, there is a word for your health There is a word for your finances. There is a word for your spirit. There is a word for your heart that is troubled. There is a word for your mind that is in battle right now. There is a word for your marriage that seems to be on the rocks. There is a word right now for you. And you have to be able to take that word and go into his word and say, this is, no, this is what God's word says. Proverbs 5:22 says, "An evil man is held captive by his own sins." Could it be that the only thing in my life that's holding me back, the only thing that's holding you back this morning, is is our own sin? I'm held captive by that. There are ropes that catch him and hold him. There's areas of bondage in our lives that can become a foothold, and when you when you talk about a foothold you talk about a rock climber and you talk about taking that putting your foot on that next thing and you're advancing and you're gaining territory and you you take that next foothold and then you keep moving up we give the enemy a foothold means we're giving him territory in our lives you're giving him access and he, he's gaining more access and more traction but we have to put a stop to that in jesus name footholds can be lodged in every soul every, every area of our lives, in our souls, particularly in a certain way, uh certain way that, that could be part of the environment that we are a byproduct of. For example, if rage was often in your home and, and you saw your parents lash out in anger, you may feel that, that that's the natural way to respond because that's what you have been exposed to. Areas of bondage can also be a result of generational sin that passed, has been passed from parents or grandparents. But but the Bible tells us this, I tell you the truth that everyone who sins is a slave of sin so i have to break the bondage i have to break the bondage i got three minutes to tell you how to break out of it this is what second timothy Twenty-five, twenty-six says, perhaps God will change these people's hearts and they will believe the truth. They will come to their senses and escape from the devil's traps, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. As Christians, God has given us the power to overcome the attacks of the enemy and to overcome the areas of oppression in our lives, to be able to f- be free from bondage. We need to repent of sin. We need to cast off the power of darkness. And we need to move into the direction that God has for us. So that's the last three things that I'm going to share with you. The last four things, I apologize. There's four steps. You have to confess. Healing starts with admitting that we were wrong. I have to say, God, I was wrong. I have to repent, number two. It means not only to break away from that, but it means to walk in the opposite direction. It means that if I was walking this way, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk the opposite way. You have to make that choice. The third thing is you have to cast off. We must refuse the enemy access to our lives, and we must refuse to allow him to, to continue to try to discourage us, and we have to use the authority of the name of Jesus, and we have to command the enemy to leave. We learned last week, submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee. And the last thing is you have to bless. So once the enemy has been removed, you have to fill that place that was once there with anger and resentment and I have to fill it with the truth of his word and the truth of the promises that are found in scripture. I have to speak life, I have to speak his word and I have to declare that this is an accurate View of how God sees me. See, let's see ourselves the way God sees us. Father, we thank you. We thank you that in this moment. Your word is true, but your word has weight. We thank you that your word comes to challenge us and to encourage us to be better. We may have lived this way up until this moment, but right now I declare that you will do a new thing. I declare that you will make a path in the wilderness, that you will make a way where there is no way. God, right now, we're sorry that we have believed what the enemy has said of us. We're sorry that we have listened to to the voice of the enemy and we have given in to sin and given in to temptation. God, we're sorry that we have not activated your word in our lives to be able to have the power and the authority that it needs to have, that it should have, that you designed for it to have. Right now, God, I cancel the lie that says we're not good enough. And I speak the truth that we are bought with a price. I cancel the lie that says that we're sick. And I say that by your stripes we're healed. I cancel the lie, God, that says that we will always fail. No, I I declare your word that says the righteous falls seven times. But seven times he gets back up again. I declare, I cancel every lie that has come against our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our spirits, our marriages, our families, our finances, our faith, our careers, our business right now I speak against that and I declare the word of truth that we are blessed, that we are highly favored, that we are created in the image of Almighty God. God that we have the power and the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and there shall no means anything harm me. I declare the, the voice of truth or the word of truth that says that greater is he that is in me that he that is in the world. I declare God uh, for everyone that is anxious that I declare your word that says be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication that I have to make my request known to you. God, I declare right now for everyone that is timid and and fearful that you have not given us a spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I declare right now for every marriage uh, that is in trouble that whoever God has joined together, let no man put asunder. I declare right now. I can't every lie. I cancel every lie right now in Jesus name and I declare the Word of God that is powerful, that is true, that has the authority to change, to heal, to save, to deliver, to restore right now in Jesus name. I declare it done. I declare it done in Jesus name. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you have not taken the first step in saying by saying, Lord, I, I give you my life. We believe that by faith we are saved and not by works so that no one could boast. We're grateful this morning for the sacrifice of the cross. And if you have not given your life to God with every eye closed, every head bowed out, I, I don't want to close this service without the opportunity of you making that first-time decision and having your life turned around for good. I want to invite, if that is you this morning, you say, I give my life to him. I'm, with every eye closed, I want to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at. Yes, that's right. I want everybody to pray with me. At this time, dear Jesus, thank you. Dying for me. Thank you for loving me when I was unloved. You saw my sin, you saw my failures, you saw my mistakes, and you still loved me. I give you my life. I receive this gift. Turn my life around, change me, heal me, empower me. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Could we give God praise this moment for everyone in this place? I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite you to stand. God is in this place right now. He is here to meet your need. Whatever that need looks like, because it may look different on this side than it does on this side, but whatever your need is, there is a God that encompasses it all. There is a God that has authority over it all. There is a God that has power over it all. And there is nothing that you are facing this morning That is impossible for God. So I want to give us an opportunity to enter into a moment of worship. And if you feel led to come to this altar, I'd love the opportunity to pray with you and pray for you. But I want to challenge you. If you come, I want you to come just declaring his word. You and only you know the details of what is going on on the inside. You and only you know the hurt that you have been exposed to and the trauma that you have been witnessed to. And you, only you, know that there is a scripture that can cancel whatever you have lived through. If you live through it, God is not done with you yet. It may have been horrible. It may have been horrific. It may not have been your fault. And I'm not saying that it was okay. But we serve a God that wants to heal you right now. We serve a God that wants to heal you, and, and there are some things in our life that we just need to surrender to Him. So maybe in this moment you want to come to this place to say, God, here is my body. I offer it to you, as the Bible says. Or maybe you say, God, I, want, I, want, I, I need to renew my mind, as the, as the Scripture says. Or maybe in this moment you need to say, God, I surrender my will. To you because I know that your will for me is good that it's pleasing and that it's perfect so whatever that is whatever it looks like for you no two stories are the same no two circumstances are the same but I know that there is a God that can meet your need and he can meet you right where you're at so let's worship him for just a few moments right now once again father I thank you I thank you open up our, our hearts open up our minds God in this moment that we would, we would be recipients of your word That we would be able to activate your word that your word would be able to change our circumstances and change our lives God right now I thank you that there is nothing too difficult for you I thank you that there are no barriers that you know I thank you God that there are no obstacles that can hold you back I thank you right now God that you are a God that can do it all I thank you that you are a God that can work through it all you are a God that can change it all right now God we declare your voice of truth in our lives. We declare your word of truth in our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.